Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tonight, it's me, Mark Thompson. Tomorrow, it's Neil Saavedra. I'm unclear if he's gone next week or not. But uh, anyway, I don't think he is. I think he's back on Monday. So got a pretty special guest coming up right now. Uh, will you let me know when he's on the line? We just got him. All right. Well, let me just uh, introduce this guy. I mean, he's uh, a pretty remarkable dude. New York Times best-selling author. And he has a, a series. It's called The Ordinary People Change the World. It's uh, it's designed, and he can correct me if I'm wrong about any of this, but essentially it's targeted for kids and the series has more than 5 million copies in print worldwide. Uh, and it's targeted for kids to bring them the stories of people like, and these most recent versions of this, Dolly Parton and I Am Pay. Yeah. And this is a pretty remarkable series that's really, really caught on in terms of popularity. And I'll let him tell you more about it. But he's Brad Meltzer, everybody. Hi, Brad. Good to hear you. How you doing? I'm well. It's great to have you back with us. Uh, we've kind always, of always, yeah, really uh, enjoyed your success. Tell us about. I was trying maybe in my inartful way to describe your series. I mean, you've done. Um, I am Oprah Winfrey. You know, you've told stories before about these high-profile people in our culture, and these stories are told in a way that it's accessible for kids in these kids' books, children's books. Yeah, you know, I started them when I had kids. And, you know, I'm someone who writes mysteries and thrillers, and I murder people all day long in them. <laughs> and then I had kids and realized, you know what, um, I should probably try putting something nice out in the universe. And so we started just determined to give my kids better heroes to look up to, to give them heroes of kindness and compassion and perseverance. And, you know, our kids are being fed garbage on Instagram every day. And your kids are going to pick heroes, whether you like it or not. You might as well have some say in it. So we started with I'm Amelia Earhart. We did I'm Abraham Lincoln. We did I'm Rosa Parks and Albert Einstein. For my son who loves sports, we did, uh, I was like, forget a millionaire overpaid athlete. Here's a real sports hero. We did I'm Jackie Robinson. This year on Jackie Robinson's day in Los Angeles, Jackie Robinson's son was reading our book, I Am Jackie Robinson, to kids wow. in the inner city. And it's just been this thing that I can't even express how it's not that I did it or Chris Eliopoulos, our amazing artist. Who, you know, it's, these are beautiful, illustrated kids books. But it's that I think parents around the country were starving for better heroes for our kids. We're all starving for heroes right now. And we've done Jane Goodall and Helen Keller, Lucille Ball. We did um, to teach our kids that, you know, it's okay to be different than everyone else. And we did, you know, when, when we saw Muslims being targeted, we did Muhammad Ali and Malala. And, oh, you know, so we did great. obviously George Washington. And anyway, it leads us to, of course, now the two newest. Well, the two newest are interesting because, you know, uh, again, you, you pick these people from history and from the culture and from, you know, contemporary history, Dolly Parton. She, through the decades, is one of the top 
songwriters and performers came out of country music, and then she goes into all these crossover songs, and she's also an actress, and uh, I think I'd suggest she's sort of an ambassador of good feeling in a lot of ways. She she had a Broadway show. I mean, you, you know more about her than I do. That's just off the top of my head, but I mean, I thought, what a great... Uh, that's just one of the personalities you feature, but let's just start with her, Dolly Parton. Uh, so how do you introduce her to kids? Like, when you're about to... I just summarized a little bit of what her life has been about. How do you approach it when you're telling the story to children? You know, for me, the the, key, the secret sauce in the Ordinary People Change the World series is we always show you the hero when they're a kid. So kids can see these aren't the stories of famous people. This person is just like me. This is what we're all capable of in our best days. And so Dolly Parton, when we open the book, you see the day she's born, her family's so poor that her father pays the doctor who delivers her with a sack of cornmeal. It's her mother who feeds her love of books when she's a little girl. And one of Dolly's first favorite books is A Little Engine That Could. That's who Dolly Parton is. She's that little engine. And they tell her, listen, you know, you're going to have to dress a certain way if you want to make it in show business. She's like, I'm not dressing that way. I'm going to wear fancy costumes, have this wild big hair. They tell her, you're going to sing country songs only. She says, no, nope, I'm going to sing songs for all audiences. They say, you're just going to be a musician. She says, nope, I'm going to be someone who owns their own amusement park. I'm going to be a movie star. I'm going to start my own charity. She calls it the Imagination Library. That's going to give away millions and millions of books to poor kids around the United States, starting in Tennessee. You know the first book they give away is? The Little Engine That Could. Oh, that's and great. And kids are like, they get that. The uh, the connection to Dolly Parton when you tell that story, there are all of these materials, you research it, you decide how you're going to tell the story. Do you speak with, in this case, Dolly Parton? In other words, do you have any interaction with her? Well, it's really funny. You know, when we did I Am Jane Goodall, Jane Goodall weighed in on her book. Um, when we did I Am Billie Jean King, I spent two hours on the phone with Billie Jean King. She was correcting, like, you know, what color her shoes were in each different match, which she knew, and only she knows, of course. And now we're doing Dolly Parton, right? I am Dolly Parton. Do not mess up Dolly Parton. So we sent it to, you know, the people at Dollywood and the Imagination Library. They were so sweet. We never know, you know, who weighs in on what part, but the comments that came back were so beautiful because they were like, can you make the doctor who delivered her, like, you know, it, it was such an important person to her father. Can you make him, you know, an even bigger scene? And, it was clear that like the comments that were coming back were all about her real young childhood. And I love, so, so she was just, you know, couldn't be nice. They gave us, they gave us pictures for the book. They gave us songs that we could use. I mean, they were so sweet about it and answered all our questions. And, and I think the best part of it for me was when we show our take on it, you know, what I, what the book is really about is that success, it does not come easy. It's not just a straight line. Dolly Parton's a little girl, and this is the one that my kids loved. Her mom makes her this outfit out of scraps of fabric that are laying around the house. And Dolly Parton thinks, oh, I got this beautiful new outfit to wear to school. And she goes to school, and all the kids tell her how ugly it is. And she's devastated by that. And the key to Dolly Parton is, and this is her real secret, is that when she was younger, she felt lonely. She felt different than everyone else around her, where she was from, People didn't want to go to the other side of the world, but she always wanted to see what was on the other side of that mountain. She used to actually have dreams that butterflies would lift her up and fly her there. And that's the message I want for my kids is that 
being a dreamer is a beautiful thing. You never know where your dreams will take you. And to have them come back and say, we love that, that was the most meaningful part of I Am Dolly Parton for us. Well, she did a famous song based on what you were describing, right? The Coat of Many Colors, isn't that uh, the song that she did? That's the thing is everyone knows the song. What we found was it's not just a song. It was her childhood. That physically happened to her in school. And, And when kids see that, you know, one of the other stories I love from when she's a little girl is her Hold her that, parents, hold that thought, Brad. Death. Do me a favor. Hold that thought. I've got to take a break, but I, I, I'm dying to continue to talk to you. Uh, Brad Meltzer's our guest. His uh, children's picture book series, Ordinary People Change the World, is, uh, to call it a bestseller is to understate it in the extreme. Great stories, great people, personalities from the culture, from history. And we'll continue with Brad in just a moment. It's the Conway Show. Thompson's sitting in for uh, Tim. We're talking to Brad Meltzer. He's the number one New York Times bestselling author. He's done all of these suspense novels. And as he says, I've, I've killed a lot of people in my novels. It was time to do some stuff for my kids. And he has this series, wildly popular, Ordinary People Change the World. Brad Meltzer and the illustrator is Christopher Eliopoulos. Is that how he says it, Brad? Well said, my friend. He's totally, he loves, he's Greek, so he loves his uh, lots of vowels in his name. Yeah, it's really cool. And so Dolly Parton, I am Dolly Parton, is what we've been talking about. And so that's the tie-in. Stifush is playing uh, Jolene. So go back. You're about to tell a story, I think, about about Dolly Parton or about your interaction with uh, your subjects when you're doing these uh, books for kids. Yeah, you know, and it's just, you know, the fun for for us is is when we give them our theory of, of who they are and then we let them react to it. And it's just wild to watch, you know. I can tell you one of the things that uh, one of the stories that my kids loved is when Dolly Parton's a little girl, her family doesn't have a lot of money that year for Christmas. And the dad wants to buy her mom a proper wedding ring. So he says to all the kids, listen, um, we're just not going to have Christmas presents for everyone this year. We're going to give everyone a, a box of chocolate covered cherries for everyone, all the kids. And what's so beautiful is she said, you know, I was just happy my mom got a proper ring. And my God, do our kids, do we need lessons like that? Those are less, you know, that's her as a little girl. That's not how she's famous. That's not what she's trying to sell records. That's her just being a human being. And for me, what I, what I just adore, you know, when you go to a Dolly Parton concert and we were looking at them, is you'll see the old and the young and you'll see the rich and the poor. You'll see the gay and the straight. You'll see country folk and city folk. You'll see black and white and everyone in between. And Dolly Parton loves them all. She doesn't judge you as long as you're being true to yourself. And again, I think we all right now need that authenticity that she offers. It's a great lesson for us. It's a great lesson for our kids. And I love the fact that people use these books to build libraries of real heroes for their kids, their grandkids, their nieces, their nephews. And Dolly Parton just couldn't be, you know, a better example of that. Yeah, it's such a, so well said, too. And the authenticity of the word that you used is so right. You know, I saw her, and I'm a huge fan, and I saw her, I mean, I say huge fan, I get they're, they're, they're mega fans, you know what I mean? But I've been a fan of hers for a long time. And uh, in concert, and I guess in what I would suggest are formal performances, she still has an authenticity. You, you really, just, regardless of how big a crowd, you feel as though she's got an across-the-fence style, and she still has a humble that is really quite special. You also feature I Am Pei. Now, remind us, I Am Pei, a world-famous architect, right? Yeah, you know, and the thing about I Am Pei is uh, people always say, well, why'd you pick him? 
most people haven't even heard of him. He's a famous architect who redid the Louvre, that big glass pyramid that you see when you go to Louvre in Paris. That's his redesign when they had him redo the Louvre. But what we started seeing is the number one request we got, and this is amazing to me, is we started getting letters from kids who said, you've done someone who's white, you've done black, you've done Indian, you've done Native American, you've done Hispanic people, you did Sonia Sotomayor, you did Frida Kahlo, where's your Asian hero? I'm, I'm young and I'm Asian and I would love to have a hero in the Ordinary People Change the World series too. And we hear those kids. We literally, Frida Kahlo was our number one requested hero. We did a book of Frida Kahlo. And so, uh, you know, I went to my friends who were Asian. I just said, you know, who in the community, who do you want to see? And what was fascinating to me is they kept telling me, you know, no offense to Bruce Lee, we love Bruce Lee, but don't do Bruce Lee. Everyone thinks my kid knows karate. Can you do I am pay? And I was like, let me look into his life, see what's about. And what, what I loved about I am pay when I started getting into his life is I realized a guy who is an, a famous architect, arguably one of the most famous who's ever lived, does the Louvre, does the JFK Museum, does Hancock Tower in Boston, the famous you know, skyline when you look up at the Boston skyline, is it's a book that's all about perspective and changing your perspective. And if we're going to do a book about someone who's going to teach us our kids about perspective, we realize we need to change how we look at the book. And so the book actually, when you get to the part of the Louvre, the book pops up. And there's a pop-up book <laughs> inside I Am, I Am Pay. And it's so good. I thought, Where's, I'm such a genius for thinking this up. I'm so smart. <laughs> and then my editor said to me, my editor said, yeah, genius, you're so smart because that pop-up thing you put in there is now going to delay the book for a year because of the supply chain. So the book has been done for the past year. And we've wow. been sitting on it waiting for the supply chain to get through it. Um, but I Am Pay and I Am Dolly Parton finally get to go into people's hands and it's just, you know, I, I, I thought everyone would be reacting to Dolly Parton, which, of course, they are. It's the one that's selling, you know, but I can't tell you how many people have gone on my Twitter account, on my Instagram account, and show me pictures of their kids opening up this pop-up book. And you can see even parents are like, it's like we're all kids again when we see it. And, and again, just look at the world with a different perspective and, and see it diff- a little bit differently. It's an amazing thing to do. It is an inspired idea to have it pop up. It really is clever. And and I have to say, I confess, I don't really know much apart from the headlines that you laid out on IMPay. I think I could probably learn a lot by reading this book. I mean, or looking at this book, I guess. I mean, it's accessible to kids, but I'm just saying, I think it's um, it is off the beaten track, the life of IMPay, you know? Yeah, and you know, one of the things we that I loved about him is when he, and this was something that the editor, we almost took out of the book. And I said, no, no, we have to put it in. And when he's designing uh, Hancock, the, the Hancock building in Boston, you know, the big giant glass structure. When he first, when they first put it up, all the glass was popping out of the windows. It was falling and crashing down on people. It was a total disaster for him. One of his earliest works and, and, and a disaster. But he learns from it and he gets better. And he says, you gotta, you got to make the mistakes to get better. And in every book, when we did I Am George Washington, we show you him losing an election. When we did I Am Abraham Lincoln, you see him losing eight different elections. We always show you these heroes' failures. And I think one of the things we owe our kids is to stop putting people on pedestals and treat them like they're perfect. Because anyone you look at have moments where they were scared, where they were terrified, where they failed, but they keep going forward. And I love the fact that I am pay stands for that. When you, you'll never look at the Boston skyline the same way again. I can only see that failure and how it became a victory. And in fact, I'll read to you. This is the final page of I am pay. And it says, 
Your future is yours to construct brick by brick. You can design it, shape it, and build something beautiful, build something meaningful, build something that expresses who you are. I am, I am pay, and I know that you are the architect of your own life. Oh, that's terrific. That's terrific. Wow. Great stuff. Brad Meltzer, congratulations. Really is. Ordinary People Change the World. The series is so special like that. You know, my friend, you you put such consideration and reflection and work into these. Uh, it's no wonder that they sell so well and are such great choices for kids. I am Dolly Parton, and I am, I am pay. Uh, Brad, please join us again. Stay in touch, and congratulations. Always. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, Brad Meltzer, everybody. Really special. You can tell, you know, the right guy doing the right work. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This golf controversy to me is bizarre. I mean, you, if you, well, let me play a little bit of this and you'll get sort of the broad strokes on it. Essentially, the PGA told a bunch of, super high-paid golfers that they couldn't go get a mega payday from the Saudi, uh, I'll call it the Saudi Tour, an invitational golf series that was sponsored by the Saudis. Uh, And we'll get to the reason in a moment. But in, uh, well, essentially, the, (laughs) the golfers flip the PGA, the bird. It was so much money they couldn't resist it, so they were playing, and supposedly the PGA has suspended them. The list of top golfers joining a breakaway tour sponsored by Saudi Arabia is growing longer, adding Bryson DeChambeau and Patrick Reed. They would join Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, Sergio Garcia, and Louis Oosthuizen, among others. These six players, who have won a total of 12 major championships, are giving up the PGA Tour in exchange for millions in guaranteed money. They're also leaving themselves open to accusations that they are linking themselves to an authoritarian regime. Over the course of the next few days, some of the biggest names in golf will be competing for one of the biggest paychecks in golf. But the battle unfolding on the fairways and greens here goes far beyond this little patch of England. What's about to tee off today at the Centurion Club north of London could change the course of golf forever. Six-time major champion Phil Mickelson among a swelling number of stars lured away from the PGA by eye-watering sums of Saudi Arabian money. I understand that many people have very strong opinions and may disagree with my decision. At this time, this is uh, an opportunity that gives me a a chance to have the most balance 
uh, in my life uh, going forward, and I think this is going to do a lot of good for the game. He was thumbing through hundreds as he uh, actually was making those remarks in the microphone. Yeah, you know, we all need balance. Am I right, people? Let me see. Uh, 45,000. 55,000. And a lot of good for his bank balance. He declined to confirm reports. Yeah, he cut a deal that. for $200 million just to show up. That is sick. Is that true? $200 million just to show up? Wow. Just to show up. A deal for $200 million just to show up. He was repeatedly grilled about Saudi Arabia's human rights record. I don't condone human rights violations at all. I, I, I don't think it, I, I, nobody here does um, any, throughout the world. I, I really couldn't see the human rights violations over the big stacks of money all around me. It was odd. I, I looked. I, I really did look, but I couldn't see any. But those violations haven't stopped him from taking part. Same with big hitters like Sergio Garcia, Ian Poulter, Lee Westwood. But none higher ranked than former world number one Dustin Johnson, who defected from the PGA for reported $125 million paycheck. Oh, my God. The money is insane. You want me to say it? It's a number I can't even get my head around. Yeah, but what the consequences are going to be, I, obviously I can't comment on how the tour is going to handle. The breakaway tour has driven a wedge straight through the PGA. Let me tell you, this is the new tour, okay? The PGA now is the breakaway tour. Between those staying loyal to the tour and those who believe they deserve a bigger payout. I think it is an ex existential threat to the way that golf has been run traditionally since the 1960s. Ian Carter is BBC Sports golf reporter. And you're actually having big names resigning from the PGA Tour. Who would ever have seen that coming? That's huge, right? I think it is. I think it's, I think it's very significant. Even more significant, the fact it's being bankrolled by a Saudi regime accused of appalling human rights abuses, including the brutal murder of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Saudi Arabia is investing billions and billions of dollars into reputation improvement across the world. That's true. The, what the, their, their reputation washing or, you know, it's a, it's, a, um, it's a way in which they can cleanse their image. But come on, you can play this game of an authoritarian regime all day long. It's being played out right now in Southern California with this Summit of the Americas, right? We won't meet with the dictators, Venezuela, Cuba, etc., right? But if we need something from Venezuela, like oil, it'd probably be a different deal. Same thing with the Saudis. I mean, tell Joe Biden that the Saudis are so bad. He's going to meet with them. Why? Because we want their oil. It's, I, so there is a, but wow, the PGA. Talk about getting, you know, the, the jilted lover. They are, they can't compete. All the PGA has going for them, and you can tell me golfers, maybe you, you know, I get it. It's a rich tradition. Golf is all about that, right? There are all of these traditions associated with golf. Some of them are not so great, actually, you know, when you get into the country club world. Traditionally, I mean, I understand everything's loosening up. But more to the point, that's what the PGA Tour has going for it, right? It has these traditions and uh, the classic tournaments and a chance to compete in a sort of storied almost mythological kind of tournament when you're playing with 
the golf tournaments of the PGA. What the Saudis are giving you the chance to do is to still play on great courses. This one's in England. And collect sick money. A PR campaign known as sports washing, or what human rights watches Adam Kuhl calls image laundering. Well, Saudi Arabia has had a terrible human rights record for many years. Uh, it's a place where uh, basic freedoms have never been especially uh, respected. As for the future of the PGA, Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan has repeatedly threatened a lifetime ban for players participating in Saudi-backed events. Uh-huh. I'll believe that when I see it. Right. But the list continues to grow. Right. So the money is out of this world. <laughs> Nathan Murphy hosts the Golf Weekly podcast. So nobody knows really where this is going to end, but certainly it is the greatest threat and rival that the PGA Tour has ever faced. Yeah, say goodbye. Rest in peace, PGA Tour. You're going to have to find a way to coexist with this new tour. If you have that many superstars from your tour who are now abandoning your tour, taking whatever sanctions you want to lay on them, and they're going over to the Saudi tour, guess what? You don't have a tour anymore, PGA. So you'll have to find a way. There's going to be a peace brokered here. Wild. Wild. It's the Conway kids. Mark Thompson here for Tim tonight, but everybody else is uh, where they should be. Stafouche, Crozier, Sharon, Angel, the whole gang. Yeah. Anybody ever taken those helicopter rides in Hawaii? They have great helicopter rides. You can ride along the coast. You can ride along the uh, over the volcanoes. Uh, in fact, there are so many different you know, helicopter packages, you know, tours. They have the four-hour package. They have the two-hour package. They have the full-day package. And I know this because I was, um, I was actually on the big island. And I was trying to decide which one of these tourist companies to go with. And I was in one of those information things where I'm, you know, you're talking to one company and everybody has those laminated pages of the different things you're going to see on their tour with their helicopter. And it was right there on the big island. Uh, and I decided on one. It was really cool. Uh we went and flew right over the volcano. You could feel the heat from the volcano. In the, in the, it was kind of un, unsettling. You saw this active volcano, and we're flying right over it. Well, there was a crash of one of those helicopters today on the big island. And I thought back to that tour that I took on the helicopter. And I'll tell you something else that happened before I got on that helicopter. As I say, I was trying to decide which company to go with. And I'm waved over by a woman who wasn't representing one of the helicopter companies. She had her own tour, you know. It was like, uh, I don't know, a mineral tour. It was like, you know, see native rocks of the island or whatever it was. It was like a nature tour. And she wrote down... Uh, crashes a lot and then arrow pointing toward the one little kiosk with the tour I had been talking to. I've been talking to two of them, but one of the arrow the arrow she drew directed my my gaze to the one I had been speaking with. I thought, wow, this is like her 
you know, secret message to me that this helicopter company's got issues. So I went with the other helicopter company, and then all that other stuff happened that I mentioned to you. Like, it was a really great day. It was a fun day. Well, today, one of those helicopter companies, as I say, lost a chopper. A tourist helicopter carrying six people crashed on Wednesday evening in a lava field on Hawaii's Big Island. Like, this is one of those automated reads. Let me just read what happened. <laughs> a tourist helicopter carrying six people crashed on Wednesday. It's with the music in the background. Let me just read you what happened. Five passengers and a pilot on a Paradise Helicopters tour over uh, Kauau, the island's southernmost district. Helicopter crashed. It was about 5.30 when it happened. Emergency responders flew two helicopters to the site of the crash to carry those aboard, two of whom were in critical condition, to the Kona Community Hospital. The Bell 407 aircraft, operated by K&S Helicopters, they said... The care of our passengers, crew members, and their families is our highest priority. Apparently, uh, there were six people on board at the time of the crash and two in critical condition. The pilot was still there in the wreckage as they pulled him out. He was initially trapped. But they don't report anyway at this hour any fatalities, which is remarkable and such great luck and Glad You know, helicopters are these insanely cool things. They defy a lot of the physics around the way they're flown. And we have helicopter pilots, you know, from the different news organizations that are friends of the show and of KFI. It's uh, It still scares me, though. There's something scary about them. Now, obviously, as I just told you, I took that helicopter tour of the big island it was really cool i don't think i realized uh or certainly wasn't focusing on how dangerous they may be i don't know what the statistics are i mean chances are they're you know the chance of you crashing in a helicopter still is extremely low uh, that said it does happen and this is one of those tourist helicopters that you ride in when you go to hawaii and so they crashed in a lava field on hawaii's big island that happened uh, last night. Pretty scary. So much cool stuff to see in Hawaii. And, you know, honestly, seeing it in a helicopter is a pretty cool way to see it. Meanwhile, NASA is going to launch to study UFOs. They are uh, launching a special program. A much-anticipated government report on UFOs lists 144 known sightings of unidentified aerial phenomena. Now, the study released on Friday found only one of those can be explained, just one. The report is a rare example of the government acknowledging that it has investigated UFO cases. As David Martin reports, the lack of explanation is fueling even more questions about what else may be out there. Oh my gosh. There is no longer any doubt unidentified flying objects are real. This one was seen by now-retired Navy pilot Alex Dietrich in her F-18 off the coast of California. There were two aircraft in our visual encounter. Each aircraft had two air crews. And then immediately following that, uh, a single aircraft with two air crew uh, who were able to lock onto this thing <laughs> and get the clear footage. It's been 17 years, and a new report by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence still can't explain that and more than 140 other sightings of so-called unidentified aerial phenomena. It's pretty wild that there are that many of them, isn't it? It's also 
it says something that the government is coming clean on this and saying, hey, this is the stuff we've got. We can't explain it. Some of which appear to demonstrate advanced technology. The way that it was maneuvering, the way it was accelerating and also hovering, uh, it, it seemed to have capabilities that our systems would not have been able to display or, or keep up with. I leave the rest to George Norrie, but NASA's getting serious about this investigation and they've... Uh... They're into this study of unidentified aerial phenomenon. Pretty wild. Yeah. I know Nori discusses it a lot. We get to it from time to time on this show. But I just don't know why it's been limited to just these encounters, you know, these encounters with pilots. I'm, I'm really surprised that there hasn't been more. Now, maybe you can tell me that Communion or what was it? Wilford. What is his name? Wil, Wilford Streber. I want to say his name is Streber. Uh, he, you know, reports an encounter and he's tied into a whole community Whitley. of those. What is it? Whitley Streber? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he has, you know, he was kind of like one of the first guys who wrote a book. I think it was called Communion. And it was all about just this, actually making contact. So I was just getting to the point. It's more than just the aerial stuff. I'd like to hear more about the actual encounters. So pretty wild and intriguing, to say the least. It's the Conway Show. Mark Thompson sitting in for Tim on KFI AM640. Heard everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.